are listening to Internal Logic. Thank you for stopping, stranger. You need only take me as far as my tail allows, and then I shall depart and be out of your hair. So what do you say? Are you up for a few thrills? Good. I hope you enjoy the ride. Dr. Death, starring Jason Kiefer in the title role, Justin McCluskey and Kayla Aiken in supporting role, and introducing Phoebe Tracy. The last time I was crossing through here, I decided to stop and get a bothersome molar looked at by a dentist, but I found out that there wasn't a dentist for miles around. But the local GP, Dr. Harvey Dyer, was the man I should see. I arrived in his office and was met by an inauspicious old man of slight build. He had me in and out of his office in less than an hour with my pain cured. I would have forgotten my encounter with Dr. Dyer if his crimes had never come to light. And what monstrous crimes a wasted mind can commit. I call this tale Dr. Death. diagnosis must be incorrect. I think I would know if I was actually dying. I refuse to accept. Your 10 o'clock is waiting for you in examination room, eh, Dr. Dyer? Very well. I'm on my way. Here I am, treating toothaches and applying band-aids for ignorant parents. It's no way for a man of my caliber to spend his final hours wasted. Wasted. A 12-year-old girl with a history of persistent tonsillitis. Complain about a sore throat. Probably strep. Dr. Dyer? I've done it again, by Jove. I don't know how I do it. My apologies, Mr. Peterson, for not greeting you and your beautiful family soon. That's okay. It happens to the best of us. What's that for? Don't worry, my dear child. It's only a cotton swab. It can't harm you. I don't feel the pain anymore. Dr. Dyer isn't going to hurt you, Susie. Keep him away. Don't be rude. I'm sorry. She isn't normally like this. Don't worry, Miss Peterson. Most children are rather resistant to having their throat swabbed. Do you want the pain in your throat to stop? Yeah. Well, then you're going to have to trust me and let me conduct my test, all right? Fine. Good. Now, I'm going to need you to open wide and say, ah. Ah. All done. That wasn't so bad, was it? How long till we get the results? It takes about five minutes to get a result. Little brat doesn't know what's good for her. None of them do. Always afraid of me. I'll give them a reason to be afraid. You know, I wonder if we should get our tonsils taken out. (sighs) Not this again. If only I had the stomach to beg for grants. Any old hack can swab a throat, but it takes genius to make real discoveries. 
to find ways to cheat the decline of age and disease. If only I hadn't settled. If only I had... <coughs> are, you, are you okay? <coughs> What's wrong with him? I'm all right. <coughs> Excuse me a moment. <coughs> Damn it! This is intolerable. Not a moment's peace in 40 years. Always some brat who needs their tonsils removed. They should have their brains removed instead. They never use them. Remove the brain. What a fascinating idea. I'm sorry for leaving you waiting. I needed to calm myself. Isn't anything serious? Nothing contagious at any rate. Now, let's see what Miss Susie's test has to say. Ah, yes. It's strep throat, all right. So what do we do now? I'll prescribe an antibiotic. Other than that, I would suggest that you would bring her in in a few days for a checkup. I mean, do you think we should have her tonsils taken out? This is the fourth time this year. We'll evaluate the options in a few days. Just be sure that she gets plenty of rest. Dr. Dyer spent the rest of the evening brainstorming on the notion of brain surgery. He consulted the annals of obscure medical journals and found that his ideas were possible so long as all due care was taken. He's confident that everything will fall into place once the Petersons return. After all, he only gave Susie sugar pills. <laughs> she's been taking the antibiotics like she's supposed to, but her throat still hurts. I looked back there with a the flashlight and it looks pretty rough. And you still think a tonsillectomy is the right course of action? What do you think, Doctor? Would it help? I think you should nip it in the bud now, before it develops into a more persistent problem. See, David, I've been saying this for months now. I guess you were right. Dad! You'll be alright, honey. But I... Listen to your mother, Susan. How soon can you refer us to a surgeon? There's no need. I'm more than qualified. Oh. Well, how soon can we schedule an appointment? I'm prepared to get it over with as soon as it's today. You are my last appointment, so there'll be plenty of time if you wish to proceed. School starts in a few weeks, so she'll need some time to heal. What do you think, David? I guess today will work. There's no reason to wait, right? No, I don't want to be left alone with Dr. Dyer. Don't be ridiculous. They're often like this before the procedure. You're in safe hands with me, Susie. I can assure you that I perform this surgery hundreds of times, and nothing will happen except what I allow to happen. Dr. Dyer found himself in the operating room with Susie Peterson within two hours. He could only think of the youth that she possesses, and the opportunities that lay ahead of her. And all the while his own life was draining away. His hatred steals his heart enough to continue with the next stage of his plan. He administers a strong dose of anesthesia to ensure that she will be unconscious for a few more hours. Then he goes into the hospital waiting room to find the anxious Petersons. What's taking so long? I don't know. What is something went wrong? Look, I'm sorry to keep you waiting. How is she, Doctor? She's recovering. I've removed the tonsils and adenoids without incident, but I need to hold her overnight for observations. Why? What's wrong? She's running a fever, and she's got some irregularities in her vitals. I'm confident that she'll be able to go home by tomorrow. Thank you, Doctor. It's a good thing we packed to stay overnight. 
There's no need. I suggest that you both go home and get some rest. I wouldn't want you to both come back as patients tomorrow. Well, if you think so. Are you sure she'll be all right? No worries. I will call you if there's any developments. The Petersons went home, while Dr. Dyer returned to the dark room where he left Susie. He pulled a chair up to the bed and gathered his thoughts. Oh, Susie, your silly parents bought my story, just as I thought they would. You are right to fear me, child. You knew that my will was stronger than yours, and I could dominate you without challenge. You are going to follow my command in every detail. Is that understood? Yes. Very good. You are to enter your parents' bedroom and smother your mother in her sleep. If anyone detects you before you can do this, you are to forget what I've told you, then repeat the process until you are successful. Your mother must die. Be sure to call me before her death is discovered. Is that understood? Then get your rest. You will have no waking memory of this discussion. Here we are. Home sweet home. Leave me alone. She hardly seems like herself. She's just had a rough night. She'll feel better once her throat heals. I hope so, David. I couldn't shake what she said before the surgery. What do you mean? She said that she didn't want to be left alone with Dr. Dyer. You don't mean... Like I said, it's only a feeling. It's just, it's just not like Susie, you know? Hmm... She has been acting strangely since the move, so I would sooner blame that before Dr. Dyer. Everyone from around here seems to know him, and they had nothing bad to say. I think I'm going to go talk to her anyway. Don't! Let's just settle down and let her rest for a while. I'm sure Susie will be fine in the day or two. I hope so. Susie stayed in her room and barely touched the chocolate pudding that Dr. Dyer suggested for her throat. The hours crept away, and eventually evening passed into night. Bev and David Peterson fell into a light sleep. Who's there? Susie? What are you doing out of bed at 3 a.m., little girl? Look at her, David! Is she sleepwalking? She's never done that before. Susie, wake up! Don't! You're not supposed to wake up someone when they're sleepwalking! Uh, where am I? David! You're in our bedroom, Susie. How did I get here? Don't worry about it now. Just go back to bed, and we'll talk about it in the morning, okay? Okay. What should we do? We could always call Dr. Dyer. What would he know about it? Have you seen how many letters he has after his name? Besides, he's been nothing but helpful with his advice. Yeah. I'm going to call him in the morning. Mm -hmm. Sleepwalking? Yes, Doctor. We found her standing in the middle of our bedroom last night, but she doesn't remember coming in. It sounds like a plausible explanation. Is there something that we should do? Nothing that requires your immediate attention. I would simply suggest that you do a little research on the subject and do what you feel is appropriate. Then that's what I'll do. Thanks for your time, Doctor. I know you're a busy man. 
I'm always at your disposal, Mr. Peterson. Please, call me David. All right, David. Now, if you excuse me, I have a patient to attend to. Of course. Goodbye, Doc. Dr. Dyer quickly put his phone away and returned his focus to the patiently operating table. Two tabby cats lay on the cold metal with their heads coarsely stitched back together, their brains wired into an alien nervous system. The transfer is finally complete, and there are already signs of motor control in both subjects. The brain cases have almost perfectly identical dimensions, so the reconstructive element was simplified to a patch job with a special putty to reseal the skull. My initial opinion is that the surgery was a success. Now it's time to begin the human trials. Meanwhile, David was reassured by his brief conversation with the doctor and passed the day without worry. He and his wife went to bed early and slept soundly, confident that their daughter would be fine in a few days. this again. Susie, are you in here, honey? I swear that I heard somebody. Did you hear anything, Bev? Bev, wake up. Bev? Will, my assistant just ran me the coroner's preliminary report a few minutes ago. And? David. There's no easy way of telling you this information, so please forgive me for being forward. The coroner's ruled your wife's death as a homicide. What? The cause of death has been listed as asphyxiation. His conclusion is that someone suffocated your wife as she slept. That's impossible. Nonsense. There were at least two people in that house at the time of the murder your daughter, and yourself. Now wait a minute. David? You're accusing me of murdering my wife? Not you. Your daughter. That's crazy. Susie would never hurt her own mother. I know it's quite a shock, but it's the only reasonable explanation. If you didn't murder Bev, then she must have. It couldn't be. What should I do? I do some consulting at a psychiatric hospital in St. Florin, and we'd like to see that she gets evaluated. St. Florin? It's the closest hospital of its kind, and it's Susie's best chance for being treated fairly. I need a moment. Of course. Okay. We'll go. But my daughter loved her mother, and nothing 
will convince me otherwise. It just doesn't make sense. I'm sure all will become clear in time. I'll make some calls and arrange everything for your arrival. David shepherds his dazed daughter into the back of his car and drove a hundred miles to Landry Psychiatric Hospital in downtown St. Flora. When they get inside the austere brick building, they are greeted by a tired-looking man frocked in a white lab coat. He introduces himself as Dr. Foreman and quickly ensconces Susie and David into a dark closet of an office and offers them seats in front of a battered desk. Thank you for seeing us so quickly, Dr. Foreman. We always accommodate patients referred to us by Dr. Dyer. Do you know what we do here? I assume that you treat the mentally ill. More than that, we get people to behave like people again, assuming that they wish to cooperate. Will your daughter cooperate, Mr. Peterson? I don't know, but could you spare us the speech and just get on with evaluating Susie, please? As you wish. Come with me, Susie. You'll wait for us to return in about an hour or so, won't you? If I must. Good. See you then. Don't be afraid, Susie. I know that there's some sort of explanation. How are you today, young lady? Do you understand why you're here? Your future hinges upon what you say today, so you may as well speak. You won't believe me anyways. Don't be so sure. If I tell you, can I go home? It all depends on what you can tell me, Susie. Will you answer my questions? I'm scared. Scared? Scared of what? It's like there was a voice in my head whispering to me. What did this voice tell you to do? I can't remember. Someone else was talking in my ear, but I couldn't understand what I was saying. I see. What did the voice sound like? Did it sound angry or anything like that? I don't know. It sounded like my doctor's voice. What makes you say that? I only started to hear hearing the voice after I had my tonsils taken out. And you have no recollection of what it was telling you to do? I... I... Excuse me for a moment. Just wait here until I return. This is Dyer. The girl says that she can remember the voice in her head, and she can place it as being yours. That is regrettable. You'll have to see to it that she stays in your facility for the time being. Can I count on you to hold Mr. Peterson there until I come and retrieve him? Is that really necessary? I'm already taking quite the risk for you, sir. Don't talk to me about risk, Dr. Foreman. 
If it weren't for me, you would have never become the director of Landry in the first place. You didn't seem to mind my tactics then. But why? What use can the girl's father serve now? I'm in need of a new donor. The first didn't survive her operation. It's true. Dr. Dyer removed Bev Peterson's brain within a half hour of her death and spent several more hours hardwiring her stolen organ into the nervous system of an invalid woman provided by Dr. Foreman. Unfortunately, Bev's brain had been dead for too long so the resulting creature died within a few hours of the operation. But now, Dyer knew that if he were to remove the brain while the donor was alive, his next operation could be a success. Knowing that the secret to his salvation is at hand, the good doctor jumped into a battered hearse and took a trip to St. Florin. The girl's been placed into our care by an emergency psychiatric hold. Mr. Peterson, on the other hand, and I hope he hasn't been allowed to escape. No. We haven't been down in a room on the premises. Well, what's the problem then? Mr. Peterson has barricaded himself in one of the interview rooms. There's only one door in or out. No windows, and I have men watching the hallway. There's no way for him to escape, but there's no way to get him out without a fight. Hmm, let me handle this. The fool will let me in, and when he does, there'll be no way out for him. Can someone please tell me what the hell's going on here? Why are you doing this? Do you hear me out there? Of course you do. You're just too chicken shit to come after me. David, it's me, Dr. Dyer. Let me in. There's been a misunderstanding, but I'm here to set it right. They took Susie into custody. What are they going to do to her? I'll explain everything once you let me in. How can I trust you? It was Foreman who wanted to arrest you, but he's no threat to you now. I've brought the police. All right. I'm going to clear the door, but stay back until I tell you. Are you alone? Of course I am. Now let me in. I'm sorry for all this, David. You really must believe when I say that it's for your own good. How is this for my own good? Please, David, no more games. We both know what you're capable of. I didn't murder my wife! But you're going to have to come with me, regardless. No, I'm not leaving for anyone or anything until I see that Susie's alright. You really shouldn't resist. It'll just make it worse for you. Screw off, old man. I bet you're lying about bringing the police, weren't you? Bev was right to doubt you. You're just a useless old quack. What did you call me? What are you doing with that syringe? This old quack is going to hack you into pieces. And it all starts with this little injection. Now wait a minute. I'm going to enjoy this, you cur. No! Who's the quack now? You mongrel! You! <coughs> Are you alright, sir? Well enough. Now tie this man to the gurney and load him into my vehicle. There's work to do. And the girl? The girl. Sedate her and do the same thing as her father. It'll be perfect.
foreman and his staff quickly stuffed the loaded gurneys into the bed of Dr. Dyer's hearse. After arriving back at the lab, Dyer quickly began the operation. David was heavily sedated, but he could occasionally regain consciousness long enough to see the distorted sights of bright lights hanging over him, whilst a silent shadow moved about, doing things to his body that he didn't understand. The last thing David Peterson could remember is the roar of a bone saw. Can't I move? I'm tied to the bed? How long have I been oh. out? I see that you've regained consciousness. I was afraid I would have to start all over again. Oh, David, I can't wait to show you. Unfortunately, the neck brace you're wearing makes it impossible for you to look in the mirror while you're laying down, so I'm gonna have to get you off that gurney. Yes, neck brace! It's keeping your head still while everything bends back together. Now be warned, you're going to be a little unsteady on your feet. I'll try to keep you up. Ready? One, two, three. There we are! Now let me remove this gag over your mouth. You're doing fine. Now walk this way. This place is strange. Everything's taller than it should be. Here we are. I'm going to turn you to the mirror. Don't you understand, David? It'll all be recorded that David and Susie Peterson were the first humans to survive a brain transplantation. You, sir, are the key to the future. My brain? Yes, I've placed your brain inside your daughter's head. No, that's impossible. Look at yourself, David. It's true. No! It can't be. Just can't be. Oh, it is. And it's only the beginning. No, it's impossible. Help me. 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 Now that I've proven the effectiveness of brain transference, I can focus on refining the technique. I only have a short time left. There's no time to worry about being discovered. I must continue to operate for as long as it's necessary on whomever is unfortunate enough to get in my way. There's a lot more I need to learn before I can become eternal. Sadly, it's now time for me to disembark. I really much catch a ride east if I'm to have any hope of arriving in London in time for my appointment tomorrow. Right here would be fine. Thank you for your hospitality. I do hope you pick me up again in the future, as there's a great deal more to tell about the mischievous Dr. Dyer and his grisly experiments. Until then, I bid you farewell. But don't forget, 
I'm always ready to entertain my audience. Good night. Just listen to Dr. Death, another grisly tale from the Hooded Hitchhiker. Dr. Dyer was portrayed by Jason Kiefer. Justin McCluskey was David. Kayla Aiken was Bev. And Phoebe Tracy was Susie Peterson. Featuring Ronnie Allen as Dr. Foreman and the Hooded Hitchhiker as himself. Written, produced, and directed by Cody Tracy. With additional engineering by Chris Joyce. The Hooded Hitchhiker will continue with a conclusion to Dr. Death, titled Dr. Dyer, later this summer. Thank you for listening to Internal Logic. <laughs> <laughs>